Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. The scripture reading is in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, th through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, N Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the word, the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him, of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Uh, once again, it's my pleasure to ask our brother Don to come up and give us the scripture that the Lord has laid on his heart this morning. Brother Don. I'm going to ask you to turn to a portion in the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel. Book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 14. 1 Samuel, chapter number 14. And we'll start reading at verse 1. 1 Samuel 14, and verse number 1. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor... Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. 
but he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, the name of the other, Senna. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing constrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let's cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first slaughter with Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. We've uh, read verses in the New Testament about people who walked by faith. When you think of Jonathan, I suppose the thing that comes to your mind immediately is he was David's very best friend. We read about them, their souls were knit. We don't normally think of Jonathan as a great man of faith, but we're going to find this morning that he exercised an incredible amount of faith in this particular instance. We're reminded that we don't, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because those are temporary, and the things that are not seen are eternal. That's the essence of our faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, Paul reminds the Corinthian believers. And the writer of Hebrews says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we think about faith, we, of course, recognize that it's not exclusive to the New Testament. We, I had um, those verses read because I simply wanted to point that out. Abel, son of Abraham, walked by faith. We read that by faith he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain did. Enoch walked by faith. 
By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he had not seen death. Noah walked by faith. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. Abraham walked by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Moses walked by faith. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. David walked by faith. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me, David wrote in his Psalm 23. Now, what then is the difference between the faith of the Old Testament saints and the faith of the New Testament saints? And I would suggest to you that it has to do with God's revelation. The, not only the amount of information that was distributed to those saints, but the way in which God distributed it and revealed himself. Notice it came in a very different, a lot of different ways, sometimes through direct spoken voice, sometimes through dreams. Joseph had dreams, sometimes through theophanies. We call them Christophanies. We believe that to be the appearances of the pre-incarnate Christ. We often think of Abraham's visitor during that time of Sodom and Gomorrah may well have been an appearance of the Lord himself. Jacob's wrestling opponent. Some think that perhaps that was an appearance of the Lord himself, Jesus, the second person. But then God sometimes spoke through the forces of nature. Thunder, lightning, earthquakes. Just ask Elijah about that. He'll tell you about how God revealed himself in that circumstance. Sometimes through circumstances. We find that in the book of Esther, don't we? God's name's not even mentioned, and yet we can see God working there in that particular situation. But mostly God spoke through the prophets. He gave them information, and they came and said, Thus saith the Lord. We know a number of prophets. Elijah was what had done that. We know that many of the prophets, including Nathan, who approached David and said, You are that man. God had revealed that to Nathan. Now, in the New Testament, we have a different way that God is revealing himself. The writer of Hebrews says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, by those men that I just mentioned, he's now in this last day spoken to us by his Son. And the Son now is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures as illuminated by the Holy Spirit. The text verse, I think, for that comes in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Not through a dream, not through thunders, not through nature necessarily, but faith comes by the word of God. Sometimes faith comes to us through circumstances. We see God working in ways and when things happen that we are just amazed that they happen, we begin to realize that it was just Almighty God that had something to do with that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And when things work out in our lives that work to the glory of God, we begin to receive, begin to see God in those particular circumstances. 
Now let's look at Jonathan and his little walk of faith. And it's really a good lesson in faith for all of us. First of all, notice that he placed himself in a position where God could use him. He said, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. Walking by faith actually requires us to walk by faith. It requires action. Paul told Timothy, another man of faith, to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Be available where God can use you. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and teaching. Paul told the Corinthian believers to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jonathan went out with a like-minded companion. We read of the young man that bare his armor. His name is not mentioned. Remember, he said, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Solomon spoke of the advantage sometimes of having a fellow companion. In his Ecclesiastes, he's right this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If one falls, the other will lift him up. Jonathan recognized that these uncircumcised were enemies of God. And here's how he reasoned. Since those Philistines are uncircumcised, they have no claim to the protection and blessings that God has promised his people. He recognized the significance of his heritage and God's power. He recognized that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like men of faith. He's the great I am, the same one who appeared to Moses, who said, I am who I am. Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. He's the one who inflicted the plagues on the Egyptians and rescued his people from bondage. He's the one who sustained those people in the wilderness. He parted the waters of the Red Sea. He's the one who caused the walls of Jericho to fall. He's the one who led his people into the promised land. So Jonathan, having all that history of how God worked with his people, continues to lead the enemy at a total disadvantage. Jonathan, by his own words, believed that God could save by few. Perhaps he was reflecting on that time when his very best friends saved by few. Remember David and Goliath and the slingshot. Shamgar used only an ox goad. We read that in the book of Judges. Jael, Heber's wife, used only a nail and a hammer to kill Caesarea. Gideon used trumpets, breakable pitchers, and lamps with only 300 men to defeat the Philistines. So here God saved in the opposite order that Jonathan had declared. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many, Jonathan said, or by few. First God saved by few, and then he saved by many. And we often ask the question, why does God always in Scripture seem to enjoy saving by just a few? And I think Paul gives a description of that in his letter to the Corinthians. This is what he said. This is how God works, and this is why God chooses to work the way he does. He said, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, are then the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. And why does he do that? And the verse concludes with the answer that no flesh should glory in his presence. When all is said and done and the smoke clears, it's abundantly clear that the walls of Jericho fell by a miraculous mighty hand of God. Now we go through scripture and we see how God uses the few things and sometimes the weak things to accomplish mighty things so that when it's all said and done, there's no question in anybody's mind that it was almighty God who absolutely accomplished the victory. Now let's look at Jonathan's approach because he was a man who walked by faith, but he did it one step at a time. There's a chorus we used to sing, one step more. Remember that one? One step more, give me grace or give me faith for one step more. Perhaps the most striking part of Jonathan's statement, and this is something I think that we need to always keep in mind. He said, it may be. Wow, think about that for a minute. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Now, why would he say that? Well, the situation was totally unclear. So he ventures out in faith one step at a time. That's the kind of faith that trusts wholly in God and is not presumptuous with God. Believers today face the same kinds of uncertainties that Jonathan did here. James says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say what? If the Lord wills. It may be. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. When I used to visit New Smyrna Bible Chapel in the early days, they would always give the announcements. And in the announcements, they would always say this. Do you remember this, Buck? These announcements are given, what? In the will of the Lord. It always made an impression on me when they did that. They'd get a little list of things we were going to do and the times they were going to meet and all that sort of thing. These announcements are given in the will of the Lord. What? Don't know what a day may bring. We went to the picnic yesterday in the will of the Lord, didn't we? The Lord could have made things differently. Some people behave as if they are leading God instead of God leading them. I get real nervous when the people invokes God in every single thing they do, just as if, if they make a mistake now, they can blame God for the mistake. Do we not do we want to be presumptuous with God? Jonathan is willing to allow God to reveal each situation as he deals with it one step at a time. Notice he directs him to a passageway between two sharp rocks. The path wasn't easy. 
An interesting, the Holy Spirit of God names inanimate objects. Bozes means glistening, shining. It faced north. Senna means thorny, rough, and it faced south. Perhaps the rocks were slippery. The rocks may were thorny. The rocks were rough. It was a difficult passageway that he had to pass through. Then he decides to show himself to the enemy, and then he waits for their response. And then he decides between two options to determine whether or not the Lord is leading him in the right direction. First of all, he says, if they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. That was option number one. Option number two, but if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. So then God gives them a sign. Notice, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Come up to us, and we will show you something. They're arrogant, haughty, overconfident language proved to Jonathan that God was leading. Come up after me, he says to his armor bearer. For the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. So first, the Lord saves by few. We read that for slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within about a half acre of land. That's saving by few. But then the Lord goes on to save by many. We read later on, and there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. And then we read the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time. All the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim followed hard after them in battle. Notice those who first step out in faith often serve as an example to others to follow their lead. We find that case in the calling of the disciples. Jesus first called Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and then others followed in progression. Paul wrote, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am followers of Christ. We can see in Paul's literal life how he had followed the Lord, and he invites the saints to follow accordingly. He let out in this exercise of faith and served as an example of how the Lord leads. We go through Paul's life, and we begin to realize how Paul led him through the tough times, and through the good times, through the perilous times. Now we must talk about the victory, the victory. Who won the victory? Well, let's think about it for a minute. Uh, isn't that true that Jonathan and Zara bear really bear the responsibility for this defeat? After all, they were courageous. They went and they killed 20 men. Well, let's ask Jonathan. Jonathan, who won this battle? You know what he's going to say? This is exactly what he said. The Lord. Ah, that was even before 
any action took place. Wow, think about that. Before anything took place, Jonathan says, the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Stated before he actually went up and advanced. Let's ask the writer. Well, the writer of this story says, so the Lord saved Israel that day. So here we find a situation where God brought about victory through Jonathan. Now, this is a really great example of how God works, and we can see this pattern throughout Scripture. First of all, God must work in us before he can work through us. Notice, he's willing to go. Come, let us go. He had a heart for God's people, unlike his father, Saul. He refers to the enemy as those uncircumcised. So he already had in his heart and in his mind the fact of all the things that God had promised his people, that he would work for them, he would honor them. He's willing to wait on the Lord. It may be that the Lord will work for us. So now that's God working in him. That's God saying to Jonathan, listen, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are circumcised. You are a child of the circumcision, a sign in the flesh of a covenant relationship that God had made with his people. This enemy, he's not. He's of the uncircumcised. And then, I think this is maybe one of the more important points, is that he believes God's able to do it. He's actually, <laughs> he actually believes his own logic. He believes what God had worked inside of his own heart. <laughs> he says, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So that's God working in him, isn't it? Recognizing who you are as a child of God, not being presumptuous, being willing to be used of the Lord, and believing that he can accomplish what it is you've asked of him. But then, having worked in the believer, and that's always, I think, the very where it always starts. God first must work in us before he can start working through us. He works through the believer. We read, that first slaughter with Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half acre of land. So God honored his conviction and allowed and enabled him and his armor bearer to particularly win that immediate battle. But then God wasn't finished. God wasn't finished. Because first God works in him, in the believer. God works through the believer, but, you know, he can work through us, but what's the outcome? Well, then he does something else. He works for the believer. Ah, so here it is. God working in the believer, God working through the believer, and then God bringing about a result working for the believer. And there was trembling in the camp and the field and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. And that enabled and encouraged the rest of the men to follow suit, and they conquered the enemy. And then, and God always adds an added blessing. Having worked in him and through him 
and for him, God does exceedingly abundantly anything that Jonathan could even imagine when he went there and killed those 20 men. So the Lord saved an entire nation. So the Lord saved Israel that day, all because one man was willing to walk by faith. God must first work in us before he can work through us, for us, and then do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And to the Philippian believers, Paul puts it this way. For it is God who works in you. There you go. Both to will and to do, that's God through, of his good pleasure. That's God for us because he brings glory to himself. So here's a really nice little lesson in faith. Walking by faith. One step at a time. A lot of things in the future aren't clear to us, are they? They're just not clear to us. We're forced to walk by faith because John says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is just a vapor. So the Lord wills, we will do this or that. It may be, says Jonathan, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we're thankful for the faith that brings the victory that overcomes the world. We're thankful that we have this uh, faithful friend who sticks closer than a brother. We're thankful that you are pleased often to use even the small things and encourages us to think that perhaps we can't do something big, something grand, something spectacular, and yet often, Lord, you just simply use the feeble expressions and the feeble works of your saints to accomplish mighty things. So may we be encouraged as we consider these things as we continue our walk in faith, not by sight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.